And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we discuss the Disney Plus series, Miss Marvel, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. But first, we have a couple of hot topics here. <laughs> Brought to you by Hot Topic. <laughs> but not really. But not really. Um, <laughs> hey, so I, I when just when you think this is an older topic... Yeah. It just keeps coming back. Sure does. Ezra Miller, The Flash. This just keeps unfolding and unfolding. Now, aside of the these issues, and we're not going to get into any of that kind of stuff, what's going to happen with The Flash? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, man. Well, from everything that I've seen, they're intent on releasing it. Right. They're not going to... They're not going to reshoot it with the new actor. Right. That's too much. Um, it's probably too late in the game to even like do any like reshoots to change the ending. Like, so we know that we know that the, the movie's going to focus on Flashpoint, right? Right. So that's the the comic storyline where Barry travels back in time. I think to stop his his parents from being killed. To stop his mom from being killed. From stopping his mom from being killed. And in the course of doing that, alters like many different Earths. Right. Or just his Earth. Right? So like, you know, Bruce Wayne doesn't become Batman. His his dad does. And then all kinds of crazy stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, And it has like a ripple effect across the infinite Earths. Right? Right. And so, I mean, if they had time or if they're willing to push the release date, I mean, they could probably reshoot the ending with a different actor. Like, you know, when he goes back to undo what he did, like, he could come back as a different actor, maybe, (laughs) to continue playing Flash going forward or something like that. But, I mean, as it stands, if they're going to release it and... You know, if if his kind of bizarre behavior slash legal troubles continue to hurt his his, you know, his, you know, his reputation, both inside and outside of Hollywood, mm-hmm. like this might just be a oneer, <laughs> I, I, one and done. I think that's going to be the case. And, and this seems to be getting unraveling more and more. So someone I read somewhere that they were talking about the possibility of just releasing it on HBO max. This was supposed to be the tentpole. This was supposed to reboot sure. the entire DC universe on film. So they can kind of press on and, and do everything they want to do. However, I, this just kind of right. throws a wrench in all those plans. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, I mean, the whole situation is so bizarre. Like, it's a series of like arrests and just, you know, like very public issues. Yeah. Like shenanigans at bars, but then like other allegations have come up and it's just like, Oh boy. Yeah. That's crazy. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we're going to see Ezra Miller for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Ripple effect. Yeah. Ripple effect for sure. So, well, We'll see what happens with this one and we'll keep monitoring the situation and, and see where we're, where we're going to end up. Yeah. Yeah. So got something else for you. This just broke. Okay. Back to the future (laughs) is a Broadway musical. Oh no. Well, it was in London. I want to say probably 2019, 2020 ish, early 2020. It was in London, and they uh, it starred actually as Doc Brown, a guy named Roger Bart, who I actually saw and met one time. Uh, he was in the producers on Broadway, and uh, he had done quite a few things. Uh, won a Tony Award for uh, um, "You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown," and he played Snoopy. He was also the inspiration in the musical rent as one of the characters 
named Roger. So <laughs> he's a uh, uh, little backstory on that. But so he's playing Doc Brown. Yeah. And now. Wait, Rent. Is that the one where it goes? Everyone's got AIDS. <laughs> oh, gosh. Again. Uh, no, that's Team America. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a. Uh, uh, an ongoing yeah, of joke. course of course um but yeah now this is coming to broadway so back to the future they're doing all the huey lewis songs i guess and it's going to be on broadway in 2023 so i caught a little bit of it on youtube some clips and stuff like that it doesn't yes. look to be any different from the movies Except for the, so it's not as it's not as terrible an idea as it sounds. No, it's it's exactly like the film, (laughs) except it has musical numbers in it where the actors are actually singing, breaking out into song, with their own thoughts and stuff like that. You know, typical musical stuff. Oh yeah, but where like Marty's gonna break in a song where he's wondering if like he should hook up with his mom. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a song of how did I end up in 1955 or something like that. So it's kind of, it's it's just exactly, it was just singing and dancing with to Back to the Future. So, I, you know, I'll tell you what, people in England, bless their little cotton socks, they love making a musical out of everything. So this is just the latest opus. Oh man! Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I know, I you know, and I'll tell you what. There was there was a little period in time where I I'll tell you this: Hairspray becoming a musical. That was like one of the first movies that became a musical. Mm-hmm. And then the producers, rightly so, but then sure. but then they start make just everything became a musical. You know, there's uh, it's times like this when I think of it's now an iconic line from Dodgeball. It's uh, it's an interesting, interesting strategy, Cotton. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it is. I mean, I I think people for nostalgia's sake will go see it. But I, I just I don't know. That's the pessimist in me saying, is this really a good idea? Uh yeah, that was my that's my first thought. And of course, I'm this is the this is the guy who actually saw the wedding singer on Broadway. <laughs> so, uh, let me let me say something about this. I I I I would rather see a Back to the Future reboot than 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 the musical on Broadway. And that's saying something because I don't I really don't think that they should reboot it. Like I think they should keep it as it is. If you're gonna do something. Make it make it its own separate thing. Don't reboot Back to the Future. Leave it as it is. It's fine. Well, I have good news for you. <laughs> yeah, Bob Gale and I think Robert Zemeckis. I think they own the rights to the film, and they have absolutely ironclad said there will never be another Back to the Future film reboot or otherwise. Yes, yeah. rightly so, because there are some things rightly that are just so. so good. You don't need to mess with it. It it, yeah. it doesn't need to. There doesn't need to be another one. So, I mean, I'll, I'll let's take it back here. The Bourne trilogy. Not really based on the books. Right. So they could redo they, it. They did. Fine. Yeah, they can redo it. All, all good and stuff like that. But really, they really ruined it by doing that fourth film. So, you know, the, don't when just don't touch it, and and this is this is one of those things where it's like you don't need to worry about it. But I mean, Back to the Future on Broadway for nostalgia's sake, yeah, whatever. I don't think I don't think it'll have the the uh, audience <laughs> here in America that it does in England. But you know, I could be wrong. So yeah. I'll, I'll be the you first to know. admit. So anyway. That is that. But uh, all right, well, let's get on with our reviews. Let's talk some. Let's talk some Disney yeah. Plus. 
our yeah disney plus just bringing fire this last month yes that's right they're dropping you know when they're dropping marvel they're dropping star wars they can't be ignored at this point so (laughs) yeah the so the first one we're going to talk about is going to be miss marvel which is the seventh series in the marvel franchise and created by Bisha K. Ali. Miss Marvel stars Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan, along with Matt Lintz, Yasmin Fletcher, Zenobia Shroff, and Mohan Kapoor. <laughs> I know. I, I always get the hard names. You get the hard names. <laughs> All the time. Uh, Miss Marvel follows Kamal Khan, or Kamala Khan a superhero fan with an imagination, particularly when it comes to Captain Marvel. Kamala feels like she doesn't fit in at school and sometimes even at home. But that is until she gets superpowers like the heroes she's looked up to. Yes. So, Tim, what are your first impressions of the series? Well, very teenage kind of a film or series. I it was interesting because this is definitely out of the norm for anything Marvel has done. Yeah. And I th- I think I'll just leave it at that. It's very very teenager, very out of out of the norm for them and just all around different film. But at the same time, the same for an origin yeah, story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'd, um, so a couple thoughts when I, when I first saw the show one, it had some real like Spider-Man year one. Yeah. Vibes to it. Right. Yeah. I saw that. So like, you know, when like Peter, what we missed out on this most current iteration of Spider-Man was Peter getting his powers. Right. And the whole like, you know, testing his powers out montage and, you know, all that stuff. Gotta have Uh, a montage. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of Team America. (laughs) Montage. Um, So it it had it had some real like, you know, Spider-Man origins um, vibes. And then um, uh, another Spider-Man property that it reminded me of was into the Spider-Verse. Just, you know, kind of the visuals and, and everything that, that accompanied it. So made it, you know, like you said, um, not really like anything from the MCU. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it had a lot of like the familiar beats and, and feel to it, look and feel to it. Yeah, for sure. it was. Yeah, definitely. Definitely concur with that. I have to say, I had a hard time watching it. Really? I did. Um, I, I three episodes now. I need and to explain. Say what? Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I said I need you to explain. Okay. So explain yourself. Three episodes. I could get through one and a half. Um, it, it was a hard watch because I I think for the most part it it really wasn't relatable but at the same time they're 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 really going back to the well of origin stories and and structurally telling the same kind of a story but the teenage teenager yeah. part in this this whole uh vehicle that's driving a superhero story just doesn't appeal to me <laughs> you're just laughing <laughs> I'm laughing because my initial thought was, wait, you as a white man in your 40s can't relate to a superhero <laughs> story about a teen Pakistani Muslim girl? Hey, like it's super don't get me wrong, man. I've spent a lot of time in the in the Middle East and, and I love <laughs> Middle Eastern culture. Don't get me wrong. Food is amazing. I'll open myself up to any any type of hospitality or any kind of food that anybody is willing to offer. However, the when it comes to teen themes, there is no there's a, there's a, like 
a very divide, a very big divide. And there, there's no cultural shift or anything like that. It's, it's very much the same bland teen stuff that started out when I was a kid in, well, I don't want to say it started out, but it, you know, Beverly Hills, 90210 and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing, Tim. It's because it's transcendent. It doesn't matter. It's transcendent. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you grew up in the 50s or today. Yeah, there's more like technology. There's all yeah. kinds of other stuff that you're exposed to more than like previous generations were. But at the same time, all that angsty stuff that you go through it's yeah. all the same. It's all the same for everybody. Like there's varying degrees of, you know, what you go through. Like, you know, we didn't have social media. Right. And so like social media, internet bullying. Yeah. Like we didn't have to experience that, but like, you know, we still went through some angsty stuff. I mean, we did, I mean, we grew up in the nineties, man. Like <laughs> we grew up during grunge, during grunge rock. Well, actually you did. <laughs> I was in. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> you did. Were already out. I was already out. I was paroled. Yeah, but but you had like the Cure, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, you, I mean, you, I listened to Depeche were emo Mode before it was cool. Yeah, yeah you, you know, to Depeche Mode, like longing for love, like that. Come on, man. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, you know, but but I think when it comes to a superhero story, though, I you know I. I have to say these these kinds of stories have never really like the teenager theme type of stuff. That's that's never any even when I was a teenager, all the angsty kind of storylines. That's nothing that's ever appealed to me in any way. I've always wanted to just be taken away. If it was a true story, I always wanted to know about something that was beyond that, you know, because you look at a lot of people, you know, it's, it's kind of the same over and over again that, you know, these kids think they're the first to experience pain. They're the first to experience heartache. They're the first to be bullied, you know, and, and it's that kind of those kind of themes over and over again. And I just, I, you know, it's one of those, it's, I think, I think it's a very easy route to take because it has been successful, you know, right. but again, it, you know, I, even, even when I was younger, I didn't watch 90210 or when I got older, Melrose Place or Ally McBeal or, you know, as those things got older, you know, I I wanted more things that were outside of the typical uh, format for a show or a film or something like that. You know, something that was different, something that was off the cuff, something that... Did did you... Did you miss Saved by the Bell? Was that like were were you already like past high like into high school like a good ways in high school when Saved by the Bell came out? Uh, yeah. I mean, I graduated in nineteen ninety two, so I mean, I think it was going on. They're oh, they're yeah, all yeah, around okay. the same age as me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, but I didn't really watch it. I actually watched. Right. I I did kind of catch a little bit of the. They did a Saved by the Bell of college years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I I didn't really watch a whole lot of that. <laughs> I, I didn't watch any like California Dreams. There was a girl I went to high school with that was on that show, but I didn't watch any of those kinds of things. I honestly, I still watched like Leave It to Beaver and the Brady Bunch. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, <laughs> you were so wholesome. I, I was, I was, I, I love those shows, but at the same time, you know, I like. I don't want to watch episodes about caffeine addiction. I want to watch like what shenanigans Beaver got caught up in this week. <laughs> That's right. That's right. exactly right. <laughs> you know, so I, I, yeah, it just, it just never appealed to me because it was, it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of entertainment that I really was interested in watching. If, if you get catch my drift, I mean, I, I would like to watch even when I was younger. I mean, things that, that, that kind of drove me, you know, I, went to go see Memphis Bell in the movie theater. And I was like, oh, I got it, you know, threw myself into like B-17, uh, World War II, all that kind of thing. And then, you know, I, it comic book films was a big thing for me, especially DC, because around that time when I was a freshman in high school, Batman 89 was 
are are you trying to say the work of of one John Hughes did not resonate with you as as a teen growing up you, in the late 80s? You know what? I took it kind of at face value. I liked John Hughes. I liked his films. I I you know, I liked the comedy that he he portrayed, but at the same time, you know, I didn't I didn't really relate because that wasn't the life that I I, I couldn't relate to any of those kids. I, I enjoyed the films, but I, I do think John Hughes did it outside of the norm. I, th- I think the norm is when it comes to like, you know, kitschy high school stories, it's Miss Marvel. It's, 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 uh, you, you throw in the culture and that's, that's fine. But the universal themes are kind of a, a it, it, it's just an easy thing because if you go out on Disney Plus I mean, and you look at all these other shows, they're virtually the same. I mean, I mean, while we're on this thread, like Miss Marvel is basically like sixteen candles, but about a girl that gets superpowers. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, right. Interesting. Like, she's she doesn't fit in with her family. She doesn't fit in with school. Like. She just wants to grow up so quick. She wants to be a superhero. You know, like, she she's so into the superheroes, it, like, takes her out of, like, to pull her out of her reality, right? Um, I mean, you could say that. Yeah, that's true. And, and just to go back really quick on who I am as a person, I saw Caddyshack in the movie theater when I was, like, I don't know, six years old or something like that. My parents took me to see Caddyshack in the movie theater. <laughs> so you, so you're like a thirty year old, thirty year old man in like a ten year old body. <laughs> Not that I'm mean, twenty five ish. I've always been stuck in a in Bill Murray, John Belushi. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. I've always channeled them throughout my life. You know, I've watched all of their movies. You know, it, comedy is a, a big thing, but but uh, it's that's kind of how how I was raised. My dad took me. He's like, "We're gonna go to the movies. What are we gonna go see? Throw Mama from the train." So I watched a lot of black comedy. I watched a lot of things that weren't just the normal typical films that that most people watch so to yeah. this day i've never watched a full episode of the simpsons yeah so 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 we're saying so this long discussion is just to say that it wasn't just that the story did not relate to you as a white man in his 40s it's just, <laughs> just gonna hammer that away <laughs> Take culture away. <laughs> we just got out of. We just got out of. Uh, uh, of. of uh, what's it called? Uh, Asian Heritage Month, man. Like. <laughs> and I celebrated. <laughs> hey, man! Asian Heritage in my house. You know this. <laughs> It's not just one month. Uh, no, I know. It's, it's 12. It's year round, buddy. Yeah, that's it's right. year round, buddy. That is right. So. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I it, look. Um, uh, I mean, for me, I enjoyed it. I, yeah. I enjoyed Miss Marvel um, for, for the following reasons. I get not so much the teen angsty stuff because yeah. you're, you're right. Like, you know. Yes, those are all generational things. Like, we all went through angst and all that. Um, But what I really enjoyed about it was, like, the visuals, Mm -hmm. right? Like I mentioned, um, it really reminded me of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, right? It did. You know, like, you know, there's that that scene in the first episode where uh, Kamala and her friend are riding their bikes and they're talking about you know, how they're going to take her cosplay costume to the next level. Mm-hmm. And you can see like their thoughts, like in the graffiti art yeah. on the walls. 
I thought that was I thought that was really cool. They do and they do that throughout like the entire series where, you know, yeah. you, you can see her like imagination come to life. I I, th- I think that's really cool visually, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then, um, and then I lost my second thought. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I I think I think it kind of fills in that blank of you know we missed the origin story of Peter Parker. Right. Yeah. As, as the teen superhero. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, we get a little bit of that where, you know, she's she she aspires to be something and she's trying as hard as she can. And like nothing's perfect from the very beginning. And she's just doing yeah. the best she can with these new powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, just to piggyback on what you said about about how this show is is visually pretty stunning. What it lacks in substance it makes up in style. I mean, as far as I, I, I do think it's a little bit of generic watered down. Uh, and, and I think Disney does this it, to the nth degree when it comes to watering a lot of things down and, it, and especially when it comes to culture. Um, but where it gets the teenage beat a little bit more of the, the easy road and the easy task to, to, tell a story it makes up in style through the visuals through the editing all those those techniques they really kind of make up for that quite a bit and and i i say i i will continue watching this because i know you know i mean we we're pretty invested in in the marvel franchise you can't really call it the marvel cinematic universe anymore what what do we call it or you can the Marvel franchise because it's there's <laughs> this is the seventh the show universe. Yeah. Marvel cinematic, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you've got what? 29 films and seven TV shows. It It's really just Marvel employing all of Hollywood. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's every, every day. I see a new story where it's so-and-so joined the, the Marvel cinematic universe. And, but but I think that it's it's good to have the show. I think this is the first show that's really going to tie in. Um, well, I guess uh, WandaVision kind of tied into a film, but and Loki kind of tied loosely tied into a film. Yeah. But this is going to be tie into this the Captain Marvel sequel, the Marvels, a little bit more directly. Right, right. I, I, that's the other thing. The other thought that I had. Um, and what I liked about the series was that, like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit more meta than anything else in the MCU, right? Where it's like she's such a super fan, yeah, of the the superheroes in the MCU. She she's she's like us. I mean, you know, she's 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 definitely like an audience avatar that actually gets to partake. Um, true. And, uh, you know, like she in her like living in the MCU, she's dissected every single thing that all of these superheroes have done. And just as, you know, we do as fans and, and, and admirers of the MCU, like you, you pick apart every little like plot point and, you know, result of a film and how it all ties together. Like her character is doing that within the MCU. Um and it's it's kind of the, you know, it's a little bit of Kate Bishop too, but mm-hmm. you know, for her it was just it was just Hawkeye that she was super fan, right? Whereas Kamala Khan is like the super fan of super fans, true <laughs> within the Marvel universe. That's true. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and it's it's not a bad show, and and you know, coming into this, I was thinking, do I have Marvel fatigue? because I was kind of struggling with it, but I, I just really think that the, the angsty teen storytelling devices is, is really more of the, the hard thing. I, Cause there was a, there was a scene in the second episode where they go to the mosque to pray and it shows kind of the inner workings of the, these two uh, it was Kamala and her best friend. Yeah. And they were 
um, just kind of show gives you the inner workings. I thought it was probably one of the best scenes in the entire uh, out of the two episodes that I watched. Yeah. Um, just because it gives you kind of an in, more of an insight of who they are as people, a lot of more character development right. within their culture. You know, and the I I, I think yeah. the angsty teen thing is kind of cultureless. It's th- things that we all go through in our in our lives, and and the and and it's a it's a a period of time that we all experience at a certain point. But I, I that's that's kind of where I kind of stood as far as uh, Miss Marvel goes is more of the storytelling device as opposed to, you know, the culture and all that. I'm excited to see how they incorporate it going forward. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, you know, between Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, we're, we're seeing our first kind of more, more, (laughs) More brown superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> so with 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 Moon Knight, there's the Scarlet. Was it Scarlet Scarab? Right. Yeah. She's yeah. The first Egyptian superhero. That's right. And and then with Kamala Khan, she's you know Pakistani and and Muslim. Yeah. Right. So you know, on top of that, you get a little more exposure to you know the the, the cultures and you know how they you know guide people's you know lives and decisions You're right right um one thing that i'll say that really stood out to me is how unrealistic the the, the depiction of her parents were because i'll tell you if they're <laughs> if i was caught sneaking out to go to you know a comic convention you wouldn't have a podcast because you would no longer be alive parents <laughs> And what I know about, like, you know, Pakistanis, uh-huh. uh, her parents would not just shrug it off like <laughs> like they did in the show. Yeah. She'd be dead. That's right. <laughs> that is definitely that. That's definitely true. I mean, it'd be like, you know, you... like she had. Yeah. Speak, speaking of Asian Heritage Month. She has got like the coolest Asian parents ever because they didn't murder her for sneaking out. That's true. That's true. And that's uh, that's also where they kind of water down the culture as well, you know. Yeah, it it, it is a bit Disney-fied. It is a bit Disney-fied. But again, sure. you know, when you look at Star Wars and you say had they had they just destroyed the pod that had C-3PO and R2-D2 in it, the movie, the entire franchise will be over with. Yeah. But... Actually, and and you know what? I actually have something to admit. What's that? Because I'm going to peel back, you know, kind of the 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 layers of of my of my youth here okay is i actually did get caught sneaking out and my mom basically did murder me (laughs) do we have any do we have any songs here that any funeral songs let me see (laughs) i don't think we have any oh man yeah so when when i when i saw her parents reaction to it i was like no no that's not how they react. <laughs> right. That's really unrealistic. Yeah, that's true. So, well, let's, we've talked a lot about things, talked about what we like, what we didn't like, and, and we're still going to continue on with this. Where do you stand right now? Is it a watch? Is it a stream? Yeah, I, I, I'd say it's a stream. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with that. You no, know, it's, I mean, I mean, if you're going to, it's, can, you know, that, that new, that new Marvel, go ahead. Oh no! If you're going to continue with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's definitely right. uh, a stream. You know they're taking their time and, and they're kind of splintering off on things, so you don't have to rush right out right away and watch it. But right. you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's not it's not necessarily something that you have to go see now. I mean, probably before the Marvels comes out, you will, or you probably will want to. Yes, uh, because she's going to feature heavily in that. Um, so you can get that character development, um, you know, but I, I mean, at the same time, if, if you don't see it, probably, probably not going to hurt you either. Yeah. 
That's true. Unless you, I, I, well, I think I'd say it's it's probably the least essential of of the Marvel shows on Disney, and yet I was still entertained by it. I thought it was good. Yeah. Well, I think Kamala Khan's going to be in the Marvels, so it's going to be. This is kind of like a Captain Marvel uh, side story, I would yeah. say, that's going to lead into the Marvels. So if you're going to watch the Marvels, watch yeah. Miss Marvel. All right. Good old nine seconds. Keep it tight. All right. Well, there you have it. Let's jump into the 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 big the big story here, which is the next chapter oh, man. in the Star Wars saga, yeah. which sees yep. Ewan McGregor reprising his role as the title character in the limited series Obi Wan Kenobi, and this lim- this series stars Jimmy Smits, Moses Ingram. Vivian Lyra Blair. It also has Hayden Christensen and James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi has to save young Leia after she is kidnapped, all while being pursued by Imperial Inquisitors and his former Padawan, now known as Darth Vader. Warning, this review contains many spoilers because as of this recording... The se- the season finale or series finale. The finale of this season of this limited series has aired, and so we'll be talking at length about it, right? Yeah. Well, let me let me catch a little uh, Freudian slip there. You said this season, but we'll get to that. Yes. Okay. Because it, it may have multiple seasons, or this might be it. Who, who knows? I know. Who knows? Uh, all right, Tim. So uh, what are your first impressions? You know, a couple of things. First of all, I've always been a Ewan McGregor fan since Train Spotting. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies. Again, Swimming Against the Stream. One of my all-time favorite movies is some, a movie about heroin. <laughs> Guess that explains a little bit. Um, I, I, for nostalgia's sake, I kind of basked in this. Yeah. However, I didn't think it was as great as it could have been. Okay. But I liked it. Explain yourself. What's that? Okay. I said, explain yourself. Explain myself. I thought that that they just kind of, they didn't go deeper into Obi-Wan Kenobi as they could have. They got to it right away. You can essentially watch the first, second, and sixth episode. And you really don't need to watch anything else. I I mean... What's he been doing this whole time other than just like chilling and tattooing, man? Like <laughs> over, you know, watching over Luke and stuff like that. I mean, it Yeah, you... it was very uninteresting. Let me let, let, let me take a step back first and poke some holes in this. Is <laughs> you, you you knocked book of Boba Fett for dragging out <laughs> the 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 flashbacks of you know what happened to him after after he escaped the Sarlacc pit, and now you want more of Obi? Come on, man! Like we need some consistency here. Hey, hey! I'll tell you what. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna stand by. I'm gonna stand behind my my reviews here. Okay, Boba Fett. Way too much flashbacks for zero payoff. The payoff was essentially one fight at the very end of the show for uh-huh. the entire, like half of the film being flashbacks. They could have just told a linear storyline and it would have been a lot better. <laughs> no, non-linear storytelling is so hot right now. <laughs> linear storytelling was necessary for Boba Fett to be a better show. I think in my personal opinion, 
I'll stick with that. I'll die on that hill. I think the flashbacks really kind of weaken the storytelling in the in the in that particular series. However, the Obi Wan was, you know, I understand that there 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 may not have been a lot of interesting things that may have happened to him in the ten years that have passed. He hasn't used his powers. He's gone into hiding. Those kinds of things. However, yeah, he work he works he works at a processing plant for the. The, the the sandworm. Yeah, that's Tatooine's version of a call center. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: is that there could have been some more compelling t- storytelling instead of just these near misses in every episode, and and that's really what it was. I mean, it was the setup that Leia gets kidnapped to lure in Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. And then essentially every episode after that was a near miss. It was a near miss. Yeah, we, like an escape. We just like barely got away. Yeah. I mean, how many times they would they do that? Like three or four times in that in that out of six episodes? That's like half the series. Six yeah, episodes. But they're like, being but they're being chased. They're being chased. Uh, yeah, of course Look, they're being chased. If we know anything if we know anything about Star Wars, they do. What's that? What's that storytelling advice? It's like, uh, uh, gosh, the MacGuffin, like the no, like hero and cub. What? What is it? How's it go? Like man and cub. Yeah. Where there's like an older character that has to like, you know, protect and shepherd, you know, a child or a baby of some kind to safety. Yeah. Like they did in Mandalorian. I mean, a New Hope was the same way. Right. Like, you know, that's a story that like Disney and Star Wars, they just love to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I I just don't think it was well executed on this one. I mean, the thing is, is that they they did it. And they just dragged it out. However, what they could have done was inserted one or two episodes in there where they had to go. And this is the difference between why Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was terrible versus the prior Indiana Jones. They had all these obstacles to hurdle to get to the next thing. You know, it wasn't just uh, someone just shows up and saves the day. It's lazy storytelling, period. Uh, You know, it's they just went for nostalgia lazy storytelling the end they just kind of wrapped it up in a little bow and closed the plot holes from between the prequels and the and the original trilogy and you know it was i mean don't get me wrong loved basking in the glory of the original you know not really the original the prequel uh obi-wan kenobi it was great, which is the only thing I really liked about the prequels. But I, I just thought it was a lot of late, lazy storytelling devices to kind of move that move that series forward. So, so I just want to I just want to set the stage <laughs> for the creators of this show. Uh-huh. Speaking of Asian Heritage Month, Deborah Chow. Um. If you think about where they had to slot this show, right? Uh-huh. It it takes place it obviously takes place in between the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, right? Between episodes 3 and 4. Right. Where we know Obi-Wan survives. We know Darth Vader survives. We know Leia and Luke survive. We even know that Owen and uh Baru survive, right? Yeah. Like so, six of the main characters we know are gonna make it. Plus the the the, the Inquisitor, he's he's the main villain. And uh, was it um, uh, Star Wars Rebels? Right. Oh, so yeah. like seven main characters you know are gonna make it through the end. And so like 
you got to raise the stakes, even though like the the core audience already knows that these people are going to survive, right? Yeah. So what I will say when you break down, you know, the six episodes, right? First, second, and third act. It's about a man who's lost his hope trying to find it. And leading into episode four, where a new hope, right? Where this is 10 years on from episode three, where Order 66 has been executed and, you know, the the Jedi were hunted down and killed. And presumably they've been hunted for the last 10 years Mm -hmm. and he's just been laying as low as possible. And so, like, it connects where Obi-Wan is at this point with kind of like where where Luke was in episode eight, where he had to disconnect himself as much as he could from the Force so he he wouldn't be found, but also because he had lost hope. Mm -hmm. Because in 10 years of of Imperial, uh, Imperial rule, right, where... You know, those first two episodes were him basically saying, like, the Empire won. The mm-hmm. Jedi are dead. Yeah. Like, you got to move on, right? There's that uh, There's that Jedi that, that found his way to, I think it's Mos Espa or something like that, that, that brought the, the Inquisitors to, to Tatooine. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he tells that guy, like, bury your, bury your lightsaber in the sand and get off this planet and keep running because, like, there's no coming back. Right, he's been so disconnected from everyone, and he's just like lost all his hope. And the only thing he's clinging on to is just keeping Luke alive. Mm-hmm. And that's the first two episodes. But then he gets yeah. called back into it. The next two episodes, it, when he finally gets off planet, is like him finding himself again, right? Because like he hasn't used his power in ten years, so like. He's he's weak. He's unpracticed. Like he has that first fight with Vader, where he's like terrified he's gonna get killed, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And then you know the final two episodes is him actually finding that you know that 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 spark and that hope again that's gonna lead into Episode Four, mm-hmm. where you know there's something to still be fighting for in the universe. Like the maybe the Empire hasn't won. There's still people out there that are helping these four sensitive individuals. Right. So there is something to fight for. And so, I mean, when you know, when the stakes are the main seven characters are going to survive and no one's going to die. Like, I think they did a really good job of, you know, giving him some sort of arc in between, you know, in these episodes to show like, you know, he wasn't just sitting out in the desert for the last, you know, for, for 20 years in between episodes three and four. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I can see where, where you are with that. And, you know, I, I, I definitely, that's kind of a more of an in-depth take on it. I mean, still, again, I think they, they were a little lazy with the storytelling devices, you know, to, to kind of move it forward. I mean, they, they did convey those kinds of things with, with during the course of the, uh, six episodes, but I mean, really it was, uh, I mean, they just kind of repeated the same storytelling devices, but, uh, I, I do think when they got to the final episode, that's when it was such a huge payoff. And the one thing I did like about that last episode is that storytelling didn't stop because there was a battle, you know, you still had the battle of between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. And then you had the third sister going after Luke at the same time where they use those from why the original trilogy was so successful because, and you see this in a lot of films, especially action films like Pirates of the Caribbean, everything stops for an entire 20 minute battle at the end. Whereas the best things about empire strikes back and return of the Jedi were that they actually have these incredible fight scenes intertwined, intercut with 
all of this other storytelling that's going on simultaneously. And I'm glad they were able to do that. Even, even though it was only like really on a smaller level, it was still, that was really kind of capturing the heart of the star Wars uh, saga, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I was going to say about the, the final fight too, is Mm -hmm. that, I mean, what an incredible battle, right? Yeah. So it's, when you think about the, the fight that they had in episode four, Mm-hmm. Where Vader and, and Obi Wan battle, they're two old men that have just like, you know, the the idea is that they haven't, you know, fought or used their lightsabers in some time, and mm-hmm. and they're just two old men just like banging sticks together, and it's really underwhelming. Um, and that was the whole thing with episodes one, two, and three, where they wanted to ratchet up the the lightsaber, um, uh, fights because it was like. You know, the the that was one area where you know they thought they they could do more, right, or better. And you know, I, I've seen a number of like YouTube like fan videos where you know they've recorded their own version of that episode four fight. Oh yeah, I've seen that to see o- Obi Wan and Vader like that final battle. Um, you know, where they're using their force like in ways that they haven't shown, uh, you know, in all of Star Wars. I mean, incredible, incredible mm-hmm. final battle. And like, definitely uh, concur with further, that. Is every every minute every minute of Vader on screen? I was captivated even more so than. Episodes four, five, and six. I yeah, I I would say that that was probably the the biggest draw to this was actually seeing Darth Vader, getting to see Darth Vader, getting to see a little bit more, peeling back the onion of Darth Vader in this one. Yeah, because that was that was definitely good. Because there's that like, we get that little taste of it at the end of Rogue One. Where he has that, you know, that battle where he just, yeah. like, you know, kills all those rebels and is, like, such an awesome, awesome scene. Like, that, that's the best version of Vader fighting that we've mm-hmm. seen. And to see more of that, like, yeah. you know, I mean, kudos to Hayden Christensen for signing up for being in the Vader costume. But then knowing yeah. that James Earl Jones was also going to reprise his role as the voice <laughs> of Vader. Yeah. But, you know, the, the physicality of it and, you know, being able to act behind a mask, I mean, that that's going to be incredibly tough. Yeah. Um, but just the way they depicted him, like, you know, if you think back to the original trilogy, you only ever see him, like, force choke you know, a general who's like speaking out of turn or like mm-hmm. Luke, you, you never really saw him taking out innocence. And when they're in that village, that mining village where they're trying to, to track down Obi-Wan and he's like straight up pulling random villagers out of their homes, like using the force and like snapping their necks and stuff. And like dragging yeah. that one lady through the street with the force. My goodness. I mean, that was that I was watching it with my wife and I think mm-hmm. at some point like she was watching me watching the show and she's like hey it's okay to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> um and and then and then that the the fight scene that they have I think it's like the 5th episode of the season where that that ship is trying to take off and he stops the ship and then yeah. he like rips the side out and then he has that fight with uh, with with Riva, where like right. he doesn't have a lightsaber, and he's using like force pushes as like you know like like a Jedi kung fu. Like my god, I mean, 
I I saw something on the internet that said if if anything comes out of Obi Wan Kono the Obi Wan Kenobi series, it's that we need a Darth Vader series. I yeah, I I think that would be good. They could do a Darth Vader series, and I think it would be amazing. And then if they did that, we should we would definitely get Doctor Afra, which you know I've been talking about. I know you've been talking Afra. about Doctor Afra forever. That's true. So, all right. Well, let's get your final take on this then. Watch. I know. I know what you're going to say, but it was a watch for me. I I, 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 I was very entertained by it. Yeah, there are flaws, mm-hmm. but like, like any of the episode, like, like the, whether it's like the, the the prequel trilogy or the original trilogy and even the the sequel trilogy like mm-hmm. there are definitely major storytelling aspects of it where it's either like overly convoluted or too simple and too linear right right and and, and you you pointed out like there there are those storytelling problems and and the fact that like you know three episodes out of the six had like you know someone needs to create a diversion so these people can get away. Like, I get it. Like, yeah. there are certain, there are certainly flaws in the story, but like, for not just the nostalgia of it, but the way that they filled in a lot of those cracks and, and you know, um, I, I definitely, the, the difficulty of telling that story within the framework that they had to work in and to still give Obi-Wan that full arc across the season of, you know, downtrodden, no hope to there is a hope going into episode four. I, I mean, I was very impressed by it. I, I thought it was great. I, I I may have watched multiple episodes yeah. multiple times. I, I would say it's, you know, for for the Star Wars fan in me, it's definitely a watch. Uh, yeah. Definitely watch. If it wasn't Star Wars, I would probably say it's a stream. Um, you know, just because it's it was the what the fans were were looking for, and and it did close up the plot holes. You know, on on Anakin saying that he killed Darth killed he killed Anakin Skywalker and yeah, yeah. and became Darth Vader. So, which which was a huge plot hole from the very first from the very beginning. Um, once they decided to continue the into a uh, a series with Empire Strikes Back, so for me, well, well right, cause definitely, because they, they, they didn't like they didn't decide that he was Luke's father until right before they filmed Empire Strikes Back, right? Like, yeah, they wrote it into the script for Empire Strikes Back when they decided to continue the saga. Yeah. And and do a do uh two more films because it was so successful. And even Luke Skywalker didn't know until he was on set, and they were filming that scene. So or Mark Hamill, I should say. So right. Yeah. Can can, can so. I can I say something real quick as well about about yeah. the series just to just to put a bow on this. I I love you and you and McGregor as an actor. Yeah. Just as you do. I do. And yeah. I agree that he was definitely one of the highlights of the of the the prequel trilogy, if mm-hmm. not the highlight. And yet like rewatching so before this I rewatched the the prequel trilogy and I, I started watching, you know, like the, the, the Star Wars Clone Wars, right? And I'll say yeah. this is this is even the best version of Obi Wan. Yeah. Where like you actually see his wisdom and 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 you know he's like turning into you know that kind of elder version of Obi Wan from Episode Four. Um, yeah. Because like the previous versions of Obi Wan, I always found kind of annoying, where where he's supposed to be like Anakin's mentor, but he's more like an antagonist to him, and like blames mm-hmm. him for all kinds of stuff and like. Yeah, doesn't believe in him, you know. Like, 
watching watching the first few seasons of 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 the Clone Wars, I, I, it's a tough watch just because of how they portray the relationship, and then you know even mm-hmm. in like Episode two and parts of Episode three, like you know I I, I get why Anakin was like Obi Wan's holding me back. <laughs> yeah so just the way that like he interacts with leia and and just to see you know where he's at at the end of the series like mm-hmm. i would say it's definitely the best version of obi-wan that we see yeah. on screen i yeah i'd agree i'd concur with that a hundred percent you know so good times well that is our final take so if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, and or give us five stars and a glowing review so our podcast can reach more people and we can tell our wives that we need to go on, carry on, we're doing it for them. Thanks again to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at The Final Take Pod. Email us thefinaltakepod at gmail.com. And check out all of our episodes on our website, finaltakepod.com. Tune in next week where we'll have more exciting fun. Until then. (laughs) 